Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsradio.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies, 1500 AM and 1039 FM HD2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Coming up on today's show, are you wardrobe challenge? Well, there's a website called Stitch Fix, which may help put some style in your closet. The CEO of Twitter doesn't have a laptop, does all of his work on his phone. Speaking of phones, problems with the iPhone 8 will tell you how Playboy helped to create the JPEG file. A robotic farm completes its first autonomous harvest. And in Profiles in IT, it's Mark Buff, the founder of Mohu Antenna. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Touch and go there for a second. Touch and go. We got an email from Joy in Ashburn. Dear Doc and Jim, I recently bought a new Asus laptop with a trackpad. I hate the trackpad and want a mouse. Now, the laptop supports Bluetooth. Should I get a Bluetooth mouse or an RF dongle mouse? That would be radio frequency dongle mouse. You just wanted to say dongle. I, I definitely did. You know, you never hear of an RF dongle mouse. It just no. Those words normally don't go together. The second question, uh, should I get an optical mouse or a laser mouse? I'm I'm a little confused by the whole thing. I really don't understand the difference. Love listening to the podcast since 9 a.m. is just too early to listen to the radio. <laughs> that is okay. That I have is a solution. <laughs> Fall asleep with the radio on, and then and then just and wake, just up, wake, to up. wake right. up to it. Wake up to it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Make it set, set up. Set the clock radio so it turns on to Tech Talk in the mm-hmm. morning. Okay. Here are a few factors to consider when making your selection. Now. On boot up, a Bluetooth mouse will take a few seconds longer to start compared to an RF mouse because it has to set up a connection. Now, that's a slight disadvantage for the Bluetooth mouse. But on the other hand, the RF dongle mouse requires a dedicated USB port for the USB receiver transmitter. Now, if you have a few USB ports, not too many, this can become an issue. And I believe on laptops, you don't have that many USB ports, so it could be an issue for you. Now, the RF and Bluetooth mice both use batteries, either AA or AAA. Now, previously, Bluetooth actually used more energy than the RF, and so the batteries wouldn't last as long. But with the latest Bluetooth standard, Bluetooth 4, which was designed for low energy and low latency, they're pretty much equal uh, in terms of... uh, in terms of battery life. But make certain you get something that supports the latest Bluetooth standard. Now, Bluetooth mice is a, little, a mouse is a little bit more expensive because they've got to pay a royalty to the uh, Bluetooth SIG group, which actually developed the standard. And, uh, you know, now the other limitation is that an RF mouse can only connect to one device at a time. So you plug the dongle into your laptop, you can only connect to that. On the other hand, a Bluetooth mouse could 
could attach to your TV if you wanted to your laptop. It could it, one mouse could attach to multiple devices and uh, and work quite well. They both operate in the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum. So on average, it's a wash. But in your case, because you got a laptop with with a fewer number of USB ports and it, and you just bought it, which means it supports the latest Bluetooth standard, I would recommend a Bluetooth mouse. Now, in your case. Um, I actually have an RF mouse that, that, that I'm using on my laptop, but I have like four USB ports. I think if I would get, uh, when I bought my RF mouse uh, a couple of years ago, the, it, I think the RF was a better choice because of the Bluetooth standard. But now with the latest Bluetooth standard, I think if I would get another one, I would get a Bluetooth mouse. Now, let's talk about the optical mouse versus the laser mouse. I mean, that's a little confusing. The, the optical mouse uses a light-emitting diode, not a laser. And, they, and it's, usually, it's usually a red diode. And so you look underneath, you can see a little red light. And that was the original one that came out. And then a couple of years ago, they came out with an infrared laser device. Now, that actually emits in the infrared. So you can't, you can't see. You don't see any red light. Now, the infrared laser has a more directed beam. And, um, and initially, the laser provided slightly better tracking because it, it gave better, it, it was a more directed beam, gave better reflectivity off the, off the surface. Uh, but now, with the uh, optical mouse improvements over the last couple of years, there's almost no difference between the LED, the red LED mouse that they call the optical mouse, or the infrared laser mouse they call the laser mouse. There's almost no difference. So, I would uh, I wouldn't even worry about which one of those technologies you use. Just just get a mouse that feels that fits your hand and you like the the button configuration. We got an email from Yoel Sarkis. Dear Doctor Shirts, how are you doing? You guys are great and I love the show. It's as always. I have a little issue concerning deleting a video from YouTube. Uh oh. And it's the only copy that I have. Uh, I see the video on my account, but I'm unable to play it. Can you help? It's as Im- this is important. Thank you, Yawul. So, so it looks like you are trying to save the YouTube video, uh, copy it to your to your desktop, and then delete it. But you can't even play it now. Now there are a number of reasons why YouTube videos won't play. Most of them are because you've got an outdated flash. You need to update your Adobe Flash, because YouTube requires Adobe Flash to run, so you typically have to update that. There are are a number of reasons why YouTube videos won't run on your computer. Now, what I can't tell is whether it's only this YouTube or whether it's all YouTubes. If it's all YouTubes, it's probably the Adobe Flash. If it's just this YouTube, then there's something specific with this particular video. Now, I think that you should try to download the video to your laptop or to your computer. And there's a great program called KeepVid, KeepVid, K-E-E-P-V-I-D, and it supports YouTube, Dailymotion, MegaVideo, Medicafe, and Vimeo. And you, what you simply do, you, you just go to the website, um, you just go to the website KeepVid.com, and uh, you take the URL of the YouTube video that you want to download, and you just, you, you go to... You know, you go to YouTube and you copy the URL, which is the which is the web address. You know, URL stands for Universal Resource Locator, by the way. 
Thanks for sharing. You know, now you that's know, been covered in previous programs. It's been covered in previous, and I'll tell you, if you know, just as an aside, if if you want to go like to a cocktail party and drive everybody to the other side of the room, just start talking about the universal resource <laughs> resource locator, and you You'll will have the whole it, side of the room. To you yourself. will be you will be radioactive. Do it at the <laughs> snack table, which is a better idea. Oh, that yeah. way, you have the that's snacks right. to yourself. So frequently, I go to. I don't even know. I go to cocktail parties. I'm radioactive, but but I own the snack table. <laughs> Interesting. Now here we go. So you you take and copy the the web address, the URL, and you paste it into the uh, into the um, into the input uh, uh, line there on keepvid.com, and then you just click the button download. Now it turns out there's like a there's an ad on this website that's trying to trick you opening something Mm -hmm. so there's a big large download button on the ad that's not the download button what you want to do there's a there's a download button that's a smaller one to the right of the bar you want to click that one so make certain you click the right download button and don't do something with that with that ad now once you click download it'll give you an option of whether you want to download the video in flash and mp4 or webm format and i'd recommend you just pick mp4 since that's got the greatest compatibility, and you'll download the video to your computer. Now, once it's download, once the download is complete, play it off your computer to make certain that it works. Then you can go back to YouTube and delete the video. I think that was your problem. I couldn't tell for sure. If that didn't answer your question, send me another email, and I'll take another stab at it. We got an email from John in the Outer Banks. Dear Doc and Jim, I have a Microsoft Mail. I have MS Mail on my Windows 10 laptop. And I have an old Verizon account. And uh, I cannot configure it in MS Mail. Remember, Verizon was bought by AOL, and then Verizon ported all their mail services to AOL Mail. Now, I love my Verizon email address and don't want to give it up, but I just can't get it to work on this Windows 10 laptop. Please help. John in Outer Banks. Well, John, this is a um, – so I went on. I have an old Verizon account, so I thought, well, why don't I just I, – well, kind of defunct, but I said, why don't I just use it and see if I can install that Verizon account on my Microsoft uh, – on my MS Mail and my Windows 10 machine. So I went ahead and went through the motions to install it. And, what you you know, of course, you just go to uh, open up the email client. Then on the top of the left, you click on account, and then a pop-up window will come on, and then you click on – uh, they'll they'll give you like a Gmail account, a Yahoo account, so none of those are listed. So then you'll say other account, click on other account, and then you put in your email address, your username, and your password. That's what you do, and uh, and that that should work out. Now your username is going to be this in this case the same as your email address. So your username and email address are really the same, and then the password for your Verizon account, and then you click create an account. Now, the problem is, and I realize why yours doesn't work. So after we created the account, it didn't work. I couldn't download email from my Verizon account. So it, it didn't work. So that meant that the configuration that Microsoft thought was correct is actually incorrect. So then what I did, I just left that account once it was created, and then I clicked on, uh, opened up mail again, clicked on accounts, and then on the, the pop-up window came out, and now my Verizon account is listed. So I clicked on the Verizon account. And then I click on Change Mailbox Settings, and then you scroll all the way down to Advanced Mailbox Settings, and I clicked on that. And this is where you've got to put in the specific configuration for Verizon Mail. 
It turns out the incoming server, and I had to do a lot of research to get this, by the way, so you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) And free of charge. (laughs) That's right. So the incoming mail server is IMAP, I-M-A-P dot A-O-L dot com. But that can that has to be addressed on port nine nine three. But only nine nine three. Only nine nine three. So you you might notice there's no place to put in the port number. So what you have to put it as part of the address. So you put in under the incoming mail server, you put in imap.aol.com, then you put in colon nine nine three. And the colon nine nine three means send it to port nine nine three. Now, the outgoing mail server is smtp.verizon.net, and in this case, it's colon 465. And if you get the wrong ports, you're not going to get anything. So you just have, and I'll, you can just, I'll, I'll have this thing posted to the web by Monday, and you can, you can read all this stuff. And then there are four choices under that. You want to select outgoing server requires authentication. Yes. Use username and password for sending mail. Yes. Require Secure socket layer for incoming mail, yes. Require secure socket layer for outgoing mail, yes. Once all that's done, click OK, and your Verizon account will work. I I tested mine, and it worked perfectly. So good luck. I hope that explanation will get you through the process. We got an email from Kathy in Colorado. Dear Tech Talk, I'm getting a lot of spam. Should I respond to them and tell them to quit sending it? Should I report them? If so, where do I report them? Please, Spam give, me, police. please yeah. give me some guidance, Kathy in Colorado. Well, Kathy, never respond to spam, period. It won't help. In fact, it might make things worse. When you respond to an email that's spam, it basically, uh, well, first of all, it may be a fake from email address. So if you respond to it, it may go to somebody's account who doesn't know anything about it because frequently they will put in just a fake from account uh, from email address so that they, they they can't be detected. So you know, so if you if you answer it, you may be just spamming some other person who doesn't know anything about it. Now, if they didn't put in a fake email address, you're actually talking to them. Then you've just verified to the spammer that, hey, this is a good email address because they've got millions of email addresses and probably 90% of them are bad. But if you tell them this is a good email address, they put you on the good email address and then you really get the spam. So really it doesn't, it, it really doesn't pay to, um, to respond to it. Now, if it's, uh, if it's an email that you ordered, like suppose you went to, a store, and you said, okay, you can send me notifications. If it's something that you signed up for, in that case, you can scroll down to the bottom and unsubscribe to it. And that would be sort of a legitimate spam that you actually ordered, and now you want to get rid of it. And that unsubscribe, in that case, will work. But this unsolicited spam that comes in, don't answer at all. Now, as a last resort, you might consider moving to an email service that has a better spam filter. Google? Yes, Google Gmail. Gmail has got the best spam filter. So that's why my Verizon account was defunct because there was just too much spam on it. And I moved I moved from my sec, from my personal account all to Gmail, and I think it's got the most fantastic spam filter out there. They do a great job, mm-hmm. and they sort of I mean I think they use artificial intelligence. They and it's crowdsourced. If 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 you get a if, if a spam does make it through, you can you can 
you can you can mark it as spam and they'll and then they they will then in the future not send that to you so they're they're really the best in terms of spam filtering so if it's a big problem for you just go to gmail we got an email from Susan in Alexandria hi Dr. Shirts and Jim one of your listeners last week noted how he can tell the difference between reruns oh this has become a popular popular topic Jim <laughs> Dead giveaway is not giving an answer at, at the end of the pop quiz. Well, if but he says, but this Susan listens. But Susan says we are tipped off at the very beginning of the show oh, when Jim gives a rundown man. of the topic. Ah, that's it. That's exactly right. We'll be, uh, that'll be covered. Uh, that'll be covered during the show. Now, of course, if you don't recognize any of the topics already, it means that. Uh, there's a good chance to catch up. So I like to listen to the rundown, and if I don't haven't heard those topics, I listen to the show. It's I, I love that introduction. Well, thank you, Susan. You are very astute. And so smart cookies out there. Smart cookies. I've tried my very best to make them sound like. I'll just have to, you know, call you yes. and have you tell us what's on today. Exactly. Oh, I have a way oh. to do that, Doc. Oh. <laughs> I do have a way to do that. Interesting. Okay, now we have. Okay, now we've got an email from Mimi in Orlando. Dear Doc and Jim, I use MAC address filtering, and I don't use um, WPA. Uh, that's an authentication encryption for Wi-Fi, by the way. I realize it means I must enter the MAC address each device each time I want to d- connect to my device, but then. But then you know I don't have to worry, I don't have to worry about the passwords. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Is this really a secure? Well, the short answer, Mimi, is that this is not very secure. MAC address filtering. See, every device has a media access control number, MAC address. It's the hardware address number on your computer. It's a, um, and every computer has a. They've got both an, an IP address, sort of an internet address, as well as a hardware or machine address. And uh, the machine address, you know, the you can basically the the Wi-Fi network can read the machine address, and you can simply say if it's this machine address, uh, I'll let that machine address connect. If it's a machine address that I don't recognize, I won't let it connect. And so that's so you're basically filtering on the media access control address or the MAC address. Now the reason that's not very the reason that's not very secure is that a You've got no encryption, so people can sniff your network because you're, nothing is encrypted. And B, uh, people can do MAC address spoofing. So, for instance, I could simply observe your network, and I could observe the MAC addresses that are active on your network. Then I could take my computer, and I could configure it to have a fake MAC address. That's called MAC address spoofing. And then I could log on to your computer. But, of course, once I log on, I kick you off because I only take one MAC address at a time. Mm-hmm. So MAC address is really not effective. That's how, you know, when my son was going to school, that's how he would get on the uh, the campus, um, you know, network. He used, he used MAC address spoofing, and then he, I don't know, he just, he saved You his, don't want to know too much. I don't, I don't want to know too much. So, I, I mean, I know that he figured out, you know, I didn't teach him this. He figured out <laughs> MAC address spoofing on his own. And um, and he was he was he was in life so that's not very secure at all. I'd recommend you use WPA2 uh, uh, for your security because WPA can be cracked in about five minutes or so. WPA2 takes a little bit more work and then you got a little bit more security. So MAC address filtering not a good idea. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. 
and we'll get back to you uh, either immediately or at the next show. You know, Doc, since we're talking about it, we were a best of show two weeks ago, and we had discussed giving the answer when we get back. Yes. On 6-9, we talked about Gerald Anderson Lawson. Yes. African-American engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer to the quiz was he operated his own amateur radio station in his apartment. Okay. So there you go. It's Saturday All morning. All right. And we're going to have to go back to the drawing board to make you, to fool you <laughs> even more. Uh, this is Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday at 1500 AM, uh, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, Federal News Radio. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with excellent Accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... I guess you yelled at him Ooh, good enough last perfect. time. Yeah. Today we're going to feature Mark Buff. Now, his, his, his name is actually P, the initial P, Mark Buff, but I never could find out what the P stood for, and I was checking around all huh. over the place. So I'm just going to call him Mark. That's what he'd like us to call sure. him. Sure. Mark Buff. He's founder and president of Mohu, a consumer electronics company located in Raleigh, North Carolina, that's a leader in the cord-cutting revolution. Now, Mark Buff was born in 1970 in Raleigh, North Carolina. I featured Mohu last week uh, when I in, in one of the letters when I had somebody call in about some sort of code, uh, you know, how they could cut the code and have a directory for over the air and over the top content, and uh, and Mohu was one of the leading providers of that kind of equipment. Mark Buff received his Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1994, his Master of Science in 2003, and his Ph.D. in Electromagnetics in 2006, all from North Carolina State University. Now, he started his career in a, with a telecom company when he, got, when he got his bachelor's degree, and he developed a compassion for computer engineering. He was inspired by a course in radio frequency design, and that inspiration gave him the motivation to complete his doctorate degree in electromagnetics and to create his first company in Raleigh, North Carolina, called Green Wave Scientific. 
Now, Green Wave Scientific was, was a bootstrapped entity, and it researched and developed covert antennas for military ground vehicles and is now the parent company of Mohu, the leading provider of high-definition TV antennas. Mm-hmm. In 2004, he founded Vadum, a systems engineering design company to provide engineering solutions for defense, law enforcement, and for commercial communities. As principal investigator at Vadum, he worked with various military commands uh, in counter-neutralization and and in methods to defeat improvised explosive devices. Now, Mark, uh, in 2007... Uh, he, uh, after he pursued his uh, doctorate in um, in electromagnetics, and uh, and after he started Greenway Scientific, he he's, he then began developing innovative antennas, uh, which were um, where he began to actually take technology that he developed for the military and apply it to the to the uh, to the uh, civilian world. And he, and he started taking antennas that he had developed for mud flaps on U.S. military vehicles. You know, these mud flaps go, they sort of hang down behind the tires so they don't splash mud. You got these mud flaps behind all the tires. And he ended up putting antennas on the mud flaps. And these antennas were designed to detect, neutralize, and defeat IEDs. And they, and they basically were installed on Humvees as well as MRAPs. MRAPs were, were devices that were also uh, protected against, um, against attack or against um, uh, you know, bombs that would be in the road. And so he started developing these antennas, and he says, well, look, I've got this great flat antenna technology, which is not classified, so why don't we just do something with it? So he started making flat antennas, and the first one he came up with was a paper-thin mohoof leaf indoor antenna, M-O-H-U, leaf indoor antenna. And it basically looks like a sheet of paper with a wire coming out the bottom. And you can just put it on the wall behind a picture. You can put it behind the TV set, and it uh, and it's it's a pretty good device. Now, he's come up with the Leaf 30, which is a device that, that will find stations within 30 miles. He's got the Leaf 50, which actually has an amplifier built into it. That'll pick up stations within a 50-mile radius. He's got a designer curves antenna where instead of having just a flat paper-thin leaf, it's like this sort of artistic curve. Uh-huh. And you can kind of put it, sit it around in the, in the room, and it looks like a piece of artwork. He's got an outdoor antenna. It's called the Sky 60, which will detect sta- you know, pick up stations 60 uh, kilometers away. Now, they've grown organically. This, I like the way he started this company. He's got no VC money, so he originally just sort of seeded his antenna there on Amazon.com. He got great reviews, very quickly became the best-selling antenna on Amazon. Then you have an issue that if you want, if you've got over-the-air television, and then you've got over-the-top content. That over-the-top content means it's content that comes in over the Internet like Netflix or or um, any kind of streaming media that you might get, say with uh, say with Roku or or any any of these streaming devices that's over the top. And if and if you're trying to watch TV and you've got some over the top uh, content, you've got some over the air content. How can you conveniently have a simple directory to look it up and switch back and forth? And that's always been the problem. So he developed a Kickstarter project called Mohu Channels. And um, and it was very successful. And in about 15 minutes, it scans all the devices that you have, 
and it puts together a directory for you for both over-the-air and over-the-top channels. Now, in 2015, they announced a partnership with Microsoft Xbox as the preferred, preferred HD television antenna for over-the-top TV through the Xbox. M. Mohu Airwaves provides wireless over-the-air and over-the-top device integration, as I talked about. And, and he's basically come up with a device that puts all that directory together, integrates everything together in one little package. This is going to be launched at Best Buy in the fall of 2017 for $149. So you can get Mohu Airwave, and then you can get the Mohu Leaf Antenna, and then you can buy some streaming content, and you can basically cut the cord. So we're just getting very close to being able to cut the cord. Now, Mohu's got a cord-cutting guide, it's, you, and this is a, really a fun thing to use. It's called untangle.tv, untangle.tv slash home. And what it does, you put in, you put untangle.tv slash home, and then you can put in the thing how much you're currently spending for your, uh, for your cable, what stations you like to watch, and what your viewing habits are, what kind of sports you want, and, and you list all the stations you want, and it goes through and looks at all of the over-the-air and over-the-top content, and it puts together a suggested strategy for you as to what channels you should subscribe to and where those channels are available, and then what's available over there. And then it calculates how much it would be, and you can see how much you'd save. It's a very nice way, an integrated way, for you to analyze the best way to cut the cord. That would be untangle TV slash home. Now the website at go for Mohu is gomohu.com. Gomohu.com. I could not figure out what Mohu stood for. I was looking, I've been looking, looking around too. all of that. You know, I could not. It was find the name of all. an it was the name of an island. That much I found out, but I, ha- I can't figure if that has any connection to an yeah. antenna. So I, I like this Mark Buff because he's he's a guy that uh, started a company. He bootstrapped it. They've got about 75 people there down in Raleigh, North Carolina. He didn't get a lot of VC money, but he found a need. He focused on it, and he's and he's built some very good devices. I, I went through and looked at his website. I like his culture. I like his core values. I just like the way he was doing business down there. So there you go, Mark Buff, the founder and president of Mohu. One of the leaders in the cord-cutting revolution. Hope you were paying attention because your chance to win free lunch coming up on the Pop Quiz here on Tech Talk Radio. Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 820 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2. Watch us do the show by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with exceptional 
accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. From Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, the security guard at the front desk, featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Jim Russ. Thank you for tuning in this morning and playing the pop quiz, which is your chance to turn what's in your head into something in your stomach. In Profiles in IT, we just finished talking about Mark Buff, the president of Mohu. They're a consumer electronics company. They make over-the-air TV antennas. The name of their first product was plant-based. Today's question simply is, name that product. If you are the first person to call in with the correct answer to that question, you win tickets for two for free lunch at any of the Stratford dining rooms in the Washington area. If you know the answer to today's question, don't just write it on your lunch bag, pick up your device, and give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're messing around with your TV antenna on an icy roof in Canada, call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. The international line continues to be a problem, but you can try it anyway, 877-9-3639-333. Andrew Mitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution and crowd control, is standing by to take your calls. So, dial now. Okay, you know, uh, let me talk about how AI is affecting the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I actually hate to shop. I hate. To, I, I I don't like to order clothes online. I don't like, really. I don't like to go to stores and buy clothes. It just it's like it's like pulling teeth. If I I'll just go and just when I finally have to go shopping for clothes, I'll go buy a few and then I'll be done. But there's, for the decade. For the decade. But there is a, so so I have to buy you know styles that are going to be around for a while. So I can like I, sixty years. Yeah, I can't. I can't. You know, I can't buy something that's just going to be only good for a year. Uh, but there is now a new shopping method that is actually even appealing to me. It's called Stitch Fix. Really? Stitch Fix. It was established in two thousand and one in San Francisco, and it's disrupting the fashion retail industry. What it does. It uses artificial intelligence. It, get in, it gets input from the customer and from human stylists, and it creates clothing selections for you. What? Okay, so what actually happens is that they um, they basically, if you sign up for Stitch Fit, you you fill out a kind of a questionnaire about yourself. They know your size, your weight, and and the kind of activities that you do. Whether you go to parties, whether you go go to work, you have a new job, you. 
You might tell them, I just got married. Work uh, in a coal mine. Yeah, work in a coal mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it also turns out it, 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 they, they, they have another thing there. You tell them you just got a divorce because then you got to have more party clothes. So, uh, and so and cheaper ones. And cheaper ones. So, so you fill out this thing, and they use AI, and they, they've got a lot of – and so they have a lot of other customers who might have a similar situation to yours, and they'll send you every month – clothes and and you pick out the clothes and then the ones you don't like you to ship back the ones right. that you keep you you mark and so then what happens is over time they know the clothes that you keep and the clothes that you send back and so the ai better tunes itself you see and so over time they start sending you a better and better match of the kind of clothes that you like which is actually pretty interesting and so then mm-hmm. you can you can just then you, you just I just keep them updated on your weight so they can tell how you expand and contract right. and then they'll just keep sending you clothes every month and and the better they are at guessing what you want the more money they make then what they do is they is that the AI then gets all of this data on the kind of clothes features that are selling and then the AI creates new new styles, which are hybrids of the of the ones that have been sold. And then they'll suggest these hybrids to the uh, to real stylists, who will then come up with actually new designs that are based on what customers want. Now the stylists actually make the final selection of your clothes. So the AI sort of hones down lists and says, "Well, this customer, we think he's going to like these." seven or eight items, and then the stylist, who's your personal shopper, picks out of the seven or eight items which three that they'll send to you. And over time, it gets better and better and better. In addition, the the, the AI manages the inventory, manages when things are going to be made, and so it gets to be a better and better system. And I, I'm actually thinking, if I had somebody who would just send me the clothes and, they, and, I, and this, the, the kind of clothes that I liked, I'm telling you, I, I, I would go for that. I think we need to have a Stratford University Tech Talk fashion show after you get on Stitch Fit. You should bring in all of your clothes and yeah, I, I have stand a, in front of the Periscope camera and, and just, and, and just, and just you know, thumbs looks. up, thumbs down. So I'm telling you, I'm thinking of signing up for Stitch Fit, and I'm just and I'm you know, I, well, you know, I'm not a fashion plate, Jim, but uh, but I just I just want something your, that's easy. Your style is timeless. My style is timeless. That's right. <laughs> 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 That's another thing. Your t- your style is locked in the past. <laughs> Look, I'm the same way. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not faulting you. Now, Jack Dorsey, the the CEO of Twitter, does not have a laptop. What? He does not have a laptop. He does everything from his phone. The CEO of Twitter just said he doesn't want a laptop. And when he uses his phone, he turns off all the notifications and he works on one app at a time. That way he can focus on what's in front of him instead of on everything huh. that's coming in. He actually became quite an expert on mindfulness. And he discovered that distractions and multitasking eliminate his ability to be mindful and his ability to focus. Now, instead of a keyboard, Dorsey just, Dorsey just dictates and uses voice typing tools on his cell phone. He says this is extremely efficient. And he said the problem with the laptop, is, and so that he feels that just restricting himself to his phone, it allows him to manage his work-life balance. He feels that devices consume all your time. You're always looking at your phone, then you check your computer, you've got all these notifications coming in which constantly distract you, and he feels that that limits your ability to be effective. For instance, he does not check his phone in the morning until he walks into the office at work, and then 
he checks his phone with all the emails. So he doesn't do that at home because he doesn't want to destroy his work-life balance. And when he checks his phone, he turns off the notification so he's not bothered by, you know, notifications uh, as you know that that are not relevant to the email checking. Now he does this thing with meetings. When he has meetings at work, phones have to be off and laptops closed. The team just talks without any electronic devices. And he said instead of the meeting lasting an hour, it lasts ten minutes of focused discussion, and go. then they move on. Dorsey believes in mindfulness and awareness, and he does it day in and day out. Now, the app of the week is the Skimmer a Scanner. In less than 10 seconds, a hacker can install a $10 piece of pre-built hardware, say, on a gas pump. And this device is called a Skimmer, and it's designed to get your credit card number when you uh, use it at a pump. Now, CEO and founder of SparkFun, Nate Seidel, along with programmer Nick Poole, built a free open-source Android app that will detect popular skinners. Now, the app detects a Bluetooth signal, and if found, it tries to establish a connection and send a command that will verify the existence of a skimmer in your general area. The app is looking for brute Bluetooth networks with an ID of HC-05, which it turned out to be the default on devices that Seidel tested. If he finds one, you'll be alerted. So, actually, uh, if you if you got an Android device, you can download the skimmer scanner, and before you put your credit card in the gas pump, you can check whether there's a skimmer there. Now, if you've got an iPhone, you can just look for an errant Bluetooth signal. And, the, you know, the... That's a great idea. And so it's currently HC-05. It turns out they use the Bluetooth signal to communicate between the chips, and it's uh, it's the way the thing was set up. Now, it turns out, you know, you say, well, how can people get inside the, the, the gas pump to install it? It turns out that they just have a few keys for all these gas pumps. they got, a, you know, just like two or three key designs. And so you can actually find these keys. It's just like a few key designs paid for candy machines. Uh-huh. So these guys, what they do is they will get the keys to the gas pump. They're just, and they just they, try them until it... And then what they'll do, they'll have two... Um, They'll have two, two say, uh, vans pull into the gas station to block the view, okay? And while the view of the pump is blocked, they'll open up the pump and install the skimmer and then head on out. Wow. So it's, it's relatively easy done. So just check for, uh, you know, for an errant Bluetooth signal, and then you know that there may be a, sk- a skimmer. A lot of these places, if there's Wi-Fi at the gas and go, it's going to be something that's pretty, when it comes up on your phone, it's going yeah. to be pretty obvious, obvious. what it no, is. No, but this is not Wi-Fi. This is Bluetooth. Oh, Oh, it's Bluetooth. Oh, 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 okay, and I got you. And there's not much Bluetooth around. No, there's not. There's You're not right much about Bluetooth that. Around. Last week, Sonic and I believe Whole Foods had said that they were hacked and people's credit cards were compromised. Mm-hmm. Now, how how is that happening on a on a? I guess th- th- this was not like a few stores. It how wasn't. Ha- it wasn't a skimmer. Somebody broke into their to their central servers mm-hmm. and then got the the databases that contained all that data. So, there, I mean, there are a number of ways that people have, you know, a lot of, it used to be that the stores, they, they're, all their registers were connected by Wi-Fi at the store. Mm-hmm. And many years ago, they didn't even encrypt those Wi-Fi signals. So people would sit out in the parking lot and just grab the credit card numbers by, through Wi-Fi. Then the vendors got smart, and they started encrypting those Wi-Fi networks. 
So if mm. you if you don't actually have physical access to the to the scanner and you cannot crack the Wi-Fi network, they're getting it right off the servers. Was that why the chip became so important, or is that a different part of the the equation? The chip on your card. Yeah. Now the chip on your card is pretty good because it, it you know the the credit card number it, it, it won't help you because it basically the chip gives you a one-time authorization for payment and that's it. So if somebody puts a skimmer on uh, something that's got a chip reader, the chip won't work. You're safe. But here's the thing. Because it's so expensive to put the chips in, Congress gave gas stations extra time to switch over. Ah, that's why the gas stations still are still swiped. Ah, gotcha. Because they haven't been forced by law to switch over. Interesting. Now, now once they switch over to the chip... That's a one-time number that can only be used once, and once the store uses it, it's no good. So it's far more secure. Interesting. And I, I don't know any gas stations that have the chip. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2, or on the web at stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with excellent Accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. Facebook and Microsoft have finished their undersea fiber optic cable. They're trying to compete with Google that has also their undersea fiber optic cable. The new fiber optic cable will provide 160 terabytes of data per second, 160 terabytes of data per second. Facebook, Microsoft, and a Spanish telecom company, Telius, financed the cable. How would you pronounce that, Jim? I think you've got it. I'm going with Telius. Telius. They financed the cable. Now, this is the interesting thing. The uh, cable is 4,000 miles long, and it goes from Virginia Beach, Virginia, to Bilbao, Spain. Why? Why Virginia Beach? This is well. I'll explain that in a well. Okay, okay I'm I'll, sorry. I'll just, not to get I'll just, ahead of. I'll just jump right to it. If, okay. Remember a few years ago when we had uh, Hurricane Sandy, mm-hmm. and Hurricane Sandy knocked out the telecom in New York and New Jersey. Yep. 
our connection with Europe was cut off because all fiber optics came into the U.S. through New York, New Jersey. Right. So they're trying to get a diversity of locations ah. so, we don't, so we don't depend on one location for all communications with Europe. So was the was the connection to New York City reestablished? Yeah, it was uh, done. They okay. It was it was reestablished, See, but but it was but we were disconnected from North America was disconnected from Europe for several days until they reestablished the connection. But see, I, my point is that I, I'm glad that New York is back, but they picked a place that's also hurricane prone, Virginia Beach. You know? Yeah, Virginia Beach, but uh, it's it, but it's a different location. Sure. I okay, mean, I'm being difficult. It, Carry on. It it <laughs> uh, you know that's actually a very good point, Jim. But you know. Probably uh, somebody in Virginia really sold them on, gave them some incentive to bring, some to bring it into Virginia Beach. Well, Virginia Beach doesn't get hit by hurricanes very often. It's, no. fairly, it's fairly far north. Okay. All fairly right. far north. Now, construction began on this August of 2016, and Microsoft announces completion sep- that just the September of 2017, just this month. It won't be operational till 2018. Now, Facebook, Microsoft, and Telius will jointly own the cable which weighs around 10 million pounds, if you put it all together. Now, Telius will serve as a cable operator and will sell and lease its capacity to outside service providers. Microsoft will use, and Facebook will use the cable to serve their own capacity needs. So they found out that it was cheaper for them to invest in a cable uh, for bandwidth than it was to, you know, to buy it from someone else. Now the uh, this thing this is part of an ongoing effort to basically um, distribute the connections, the internet connections, to different parts in the U.S. So we don't have that that so, catastrophe that happened during Hurricane Sandy. Is this is I, I can't imagine that this is actually buried beneath the ocean floor. They can't. They, no, so they just it just sits on the floor. It just it sits on the floor. It just sits on the floor. They just drop it and it sits on the floor. And one of the biggest issues they they have to. They have to make certain that uh, you know that sharks don't don't bite it. I mean, th- I mean, this is a problem. <laughs> yes, I can see that. And so they and so they have it covered with a material that's that's not attractive to it's sharks because because sharks have bitten these things up because they you know they're just it's just down there unprotected. How do you fix something that's miles and miles and miles beneath the sea, the the ocean? You know. I don't know. That's crazy. Well, you'd probably send a robotic device up to bring the two ends, and you'd have to splice it. But it would be a project. And I can't, yes, I would imagine. And I can't imagine that this is one continuous piece of cable. There's got to be junctions a, along yeah, the way, right? I'm sure, I'm sure there have to be. It couldn't be, it couldn't be, it's 4,000 miles. I don't think it could be continuous. <laughs> I'd like 4,000 miles of cable, That's please. right. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Playboy now. Why not? Because Playboy helped create the JPEG, the uh, the image compression file. Now, let me explain how this was. I knew you'd find a, a cerebral aspect to the well, death because, of Hugh Hefner. Because, you know, Hugh, Hugh Hefner died this week, so Playboy was on my mind. A photo from the 1972 Playboy magazine was used as a test image during the creation of the widely used image processing standards JPEG and MPEG. Hefner's magazine published this alluring photo, and it turned into an invaluable resource for generations of computer scientists. (laughs) (laughs) The shot eventually became one of the most widely used test images for image processing algorithms. The model was Lena Soderberg. Lena Soderberg, whose photo was used as the centerfold for Playboy's November 1972 issue. 
She is now widely known as the First Lady <laughs> of the Internet. <laughs> now, this is what happened back in 1973. This was, it all happened at the USC um, University of California, San Diego, Signal and Image Processing Institute, SIPI. <laughs> and it was done by the, and then the Assistant Professor for Electrical Engineering, Alexander Sawchuk was part of a group looking for a new image, preferably an image that had a human face, because he wanted to to scan it for a colleague's conference paper. And just as he was looking for the image, someone walked in the lab with the November issue, November 1972 issue of Playboy. <laughs> Usually, it's these great things happen by and accident, right? Of course, immediately the team had to inspect the images. Of course, <laughs> and they, and lo and behold, they settled on the centerfold. No kidding. Now, but here's what they did: they actually only used the top third of the image because only that much of it would fit on the drum of their scanner. Ah. So the image was cut off around the shoulders, just just below the shoulders. So it's not super risqué. And here's It's not risqué at all. And so here's and here's the picture here we're looking at it. I just thought I would put it here on our on the Tech Talk outline here, Jim, so Which you so you, so you can so you can enjoy the image here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very distracted <laughs> now. And um so they made uh, they 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 scanned this thing and then they made sets on it and this became their standard image this photo of Lena and then they distributed it across the board and then other labs started using it and it became the standard image for testing image compression algorithms That's and too so funny. Lena finally realized that 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 her image was was there on the web everywhere so she finally acknowledged it, that she was first lady of the Internet. And then Playboy came along and said, wait a minute here. We, we've got copyright over this thing. What are you guys doing with our image? Right. And they, Playboy negotiated to let them continue using it for the sake of science. And, and so they, they released their copyright for this photo of Lena. And that's how we got the Playboy There you mansion. go. And that's how so, Playboy helped create the JPEG image. I've done a little scientific research okay. here on Lena, Lena Soderberg. Okay. You might be interested to know that she's from Sweden. Okay. And uh, there's an umlaut over the O in her name. Okay. Uh, which kind of, that was the tip-off there. Okay. But she is now 66, 66. years old. And she, but she's still first lady of the Internet. She is still first lady of the Internet. That's right. She's also five foot six. Okay. So looking at the picture, there's probably maybe a third, maybe, you know. Could be a third. Two, two foot, two inches, two feet, four inches of her on. That's exactly right. Yep. The, the iPhone 8 is... There have been reports of it splitting open while charging. What? <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are a couple of instances. And, of course, you know, I mean, they produced millions of them. But uh, there was a, a woman in Taiwan, and she was charging up her iPhone 8. And while she was charging it, it's the, the, the battery, you know, when the battery fails, it fills up with gas like a little uh, balloon. And it pushed the screen off of it, and it split open. And then a Japanese owner posted the same thing, and they were posting pictures of their iPhone 8 split apart when the battery failed. Now, I mean, it could just be a production issue of a few bad batteries. Now, Apple is looking at this thing to try to figure out what was the cause. But, um, you know, it's, uh, but, you know if, you, if you've got a swollen battery, if it happens to you, immediately stop charging your phone. 
because it means the lithium battery has failed and it is at risk of bursting into flames. So just stop yeah, charging it. This is serious stuff. And don't uh, you know? Don't take it aboard an airplane. So we'll no. see whether there are any more devices that are uh, reporting this uh, this exploding uh, battery. We actually, it didn't explode. It's just expanding battery, and whether it will be a problem on more devices. Mm. Lithium is not stable. By the way, it could be that they were charging the 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 battery with with an unauthorized charging device. We've talked device. about yeah. this in, in the past and that's you, you need to use the white cube. Yeah, you, you need to use the authorized uh, charging charging devices for sure. Mm-hmm. Robotic farm is really on the move and the first robotic farm has completely finished their first autonomous harvest. Huh. It's called it, it's called the hands-free Hector. It's a <laughs> It's an experimental farm run by researchers from Harper Adams University. That sounds like a beer, doesn't it? It Harper does. Adams. Harper Adams beer. Uh, it's Harper a distant a- cousin of Sam Adams. Yes. Harper's, Third cousin twice removed. Harper's Adams University, and it's in the village of Edgemond in the U.K. And they actually, their first harvest was five tons of spring barley. Mm-hmm. And it's been harvested robotically. Everything from the start, including the sowing, the fertilizing, collecting samples, harvesting, has been done by autonomous vehicles on the farm. The team behind the project thinks this robotic technology will improve yields in agriculture and reduce cost. Now, they, they, they tackle this problem by using open-source software and regular regular type of commercial equipment, except smaller equipment that they, they outfitted with servos so it could run autonomously. They also used hobbyist drones, like the DJI drone that I love, in order to fly over the field and map where they needed to put fertilizer or water. They believe that if we have these autonomous devices, that farmers will be able to have very small devices running all over their field autonomously instead of these giant tractors that are like 30, 40 feet wide, mm-hmm. and that that may, be, that may lead to lower cost and faster turnaround for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the farmer. So this, I think, is a major, major innovation advancement that we've got. The other thing that I need to make note of, since we talked about drones, uh-huh. FAA has announced a new regulation where they're restricting flying drones over national landmarks, including the Statue of Liberty and Mount Rushmore. They're coming out with new regulations here. So we can't, I can't fly over the Statue of Liberty now. I can't fly over Boston's historical park. I can't fly over Grand Canyon and many other places. And they've got big fines. Thanks for joining us this week for Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday at 9 on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2, and on the web at federalnewsradio.com. Learn more about us and hear all of our past programs by going to stratford.edu, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click on the Tech Talk icon. You can watch us do the show live every Saturday by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. Tech Talk is a production of Stratford University and Dr. Richard Schertz. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.